Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. Tonight we'll continue with our discussion of uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's Upadesha Amrita, specifically dealing with the uh, the verses, the fifth and sixth verse, uh, the fifth explaining the different uh, different kinds of devotees and. Uh, how we should see them and relate with them. And then the, uh, the sixth verse, which will be the primary focus of this evening's discussion, uh, deals with uh, maintaining uh, spiritual vision in our relationship with Krishna's devotees. We'll touch back on the fifth and discuss just a couple more points there. So the fifth verse, one who takes Krishna Nam just once by calling out, O Krishna, is a neophyte devotee, Kanista Adhikari. One should consider him to be his family member and silently respect him. One who, fully understanding the principles of Diksha, has accepted initiation from a qualified guru and performs bhajana bhagavan in accordance with Vaishnav Conventions is an intermediate devotee, Madhyamadakari. One should respect such a devotee who is endowed with the correct understanding of reality and illusion by offering pranam unto him and so forth. One who is conversant with the science of bhajan as described in the Srimad Bhagavatam and other Vaishnava scriptures and who performs exclusive bhajan of Sri Krishna is a Mahabhagavat. Due to his undeviating absorption in Krishna, the pure heart of such a devotee is free from faults, such as the tendency to criticize others. He is expert in bhajan, meaning that he mentally renders service, manasaseva, to Sri Radha Krishna's pastimes that take place during the eight segments of the day. Astakaliya Lila. Knowing him to be a topmost devotee, whose heart is established in the particular mood of service to Sri Radha Krishna, for which one aspires and who is also affectionately disposed towards oneself, one should honor him by offering Dandavat Pranam, Pranipata, making relevant inquiry, Pariprashna, and rendering service, Seva, with great love. So we're seeing here in Rupa Goswami's uh, definitions or characteristics of the various uh, Vaishnavas, the Kanishta, the Madhyam, and the Uttama, um, a wide range <laughs> uh, from the very beginning uh, of just uh, having once uttered the holy name, having, having once, once uh, in a determined mode uh, said, Krishna, please, you save me. I'd like to enter into some spiritual uh, life uh, and give this, leave this current environment behind. Um, 
So, from the very beginning, Kanista, starting to the one who's made a, a firm determination to make, to formalize that goal, to formalize that, that aspiration that begins with simply an acknowledgement of the Supreme Lord through his holy name to an acceptance of that holy name as uh, the ultimate objective in one's life and formalizing that objective through initiation, accepting Diksha from the Vodafied Spiritual Master and uh, and working uh, towards that goal, uh, gradually advancing through the stages of Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Nivriti, uh, Nista, Ruchi, Asakti. So this this is the this is the Madhyamadakari. He's he's made a firm commitment, and uh, to that devotee, uh, uh, we offer our pranams. He he is our he is a. He's made, he, he has actually come to the position of even though he may still be in some way hampered uh, due to uh, prior conditioning uh, still his objective is firmly established so the Kanista we accept him we mentally honor him we accept him as a, as pointed out in the uh, English translation, as a family member. He's part of the group. Uh, uh, we invite him in to the association of the, the sadhus and uh, respect him for having recognition of, of the significance of his spiritual self and uh, having some uh, appreciation for the. Lord and the Lord's devotees. Maybe very little in the beginning, but it's a beginning. So uh, then we come to the Uttamadikari, and in this English translation, uh, we some we what is being presented is that picture of an Uttamadikari who is what fully dedicated. There's nothing else that he has any interest in other than entering into and serving uh, Krishna and his Viraj Leela. Uh, so he's, he's fully competent in that, uh, that mental service. Uh, how do they put it? Conversant with the science of bhajan, as described in Srimad Bhagavatam, and performs exclusive bhajan. That's what his life's all about, just doing this bhajan. Now we can see, uh, of course, knowing the nature of the Uttama Adhikari and the nature of, of uh, such a personality may have making himself available uh, to the Vaishnav community, um, he comes down from that 
platform of Uttama Adhikari, and uh, he will give some direction. So the full gamut is being presented here in Rupa Goswami's verse, from the Kanista to the Uttama Adhikari. And the way we, uh, and when I say we, I will take the mood of what the, what's being presented in the verse, the, the devotees that are practicing, the Madhyamadhikaris. So the middle devotees, how do we deal with these, with these different classes of devotees? And, uh, and how do we recognize them? Now, the Madhyamadhikari, he has some discrimination. The Kanista Adhikari, he has little discrimination. So, so little is his discrimination, as brought out in some of the commentaries, uh, in relationship to this verse, that he doesn't, he's not able to distinguish between himself and the Madhyamadhikari. We're devotees. I'm a devotee, you're a devotee. You know, it's, it's, it's all good, okay? Uh, but there's certainly a distinction. Uh, the Madhyamadhikari, he's, he's gradually advancing in devotional practice and the Anarthas are diminishing. And he has an intent in his practice to advance from unsteady to steady practice, from steady practice to a taste for the practice, from that taste of ruchi to a real affection for the Supreme Lord that brings out um, his eternal serving and loving mood. The Kanista, he's not able to perceive this yet. Often the, uh, the analogy is given of uh, the, a mango. Mango has different stages of ripeness. So we have the green mango, we have the ripening mango, and we have the fully you know, succulent mango that's uh, fallen from the tree. And... Uh, so we look at these, we, we can look and draw a comparison there between the Kanista Adhikari, uh, green, I think that's also used in some other, greenhorn, mm -hmm. uh, so this is not, a, not an unheard of concept, even in the Western world. Uh, so he's a little green. Then the Majjim, he's, he's in different degrees, according to his advancement, different degrees of ripeness. You may see some spots of real nectar coming now. A little green over here, but on this side with the sun shining, when he's in the sunshine of his guru, he's, he's radiant. Sometimes a little bad association, he gets in that, and then the greenness comes out. So. Little, little of all that is there in the Madhyamadhikari. But the Madhyamadhikari has some discrimination. He's able to see and he's able to distinguish. Uh, 
and um, he makes a real effort uh, to extend a helping hand to the innocent, uh, to associate with advanced devotees and, and serve his contemporaries, and uh, he avoids those that are inimical. So he discriminates. And his discrimination is twofold. He discriminates because he knows he's not fully ripe yet. He has some knowledge. So therefore, he has to take care of who he associates with. And when he associates with uh, those that are innocent, he associates in order to to give them Krishna consciousness, not to associate with them uh, in a loving way, in the way that's been pointed out in the last verse of Upadeshamrita, exchanging gifts, accepting gifts, giving gifts, inquiring confidentially, giving confidential knowledge, accepting and, and uh, offering prasadam. Those loving exchanges are, are in the family. So, for the innocent, he reaches out, but he doesn't reach out so much that he allows himself to become influenced by uh, those innocent people that are still, s- still conditioned to such an extent that their association could be harmful. Because he's still weak. Different degrees of weakness... But uh, the weakness is there until one comes fully to the to Bhav. There's still a possibility, and he and uh, great care is taken, especially when it you know when it comes to uh, those people who are uh, who are very materialistically inclined, materialistically inclined. And those people who are uh, have profound misconceptions uh, regarding the the best objective of spiritual life. Uh, so the bhakta has no interest to 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 adopt or associate with the with the gyan, gyani who's simply interested in merging into the supreme to the effulgence of the Supreme Lord. He has no, his interest is not there, and he's careful to avoid that association, uh, as even more so than he would avoid the materialist's association. Uh, and of course, uh, he can recognize those characteristics of the Uttama Adhikari, Characteristic primary characteristic is he his is, isclu- he's exclusively involved in devotional practice. He recognizes the Madhyam does due to his discrimination. He may not fully understand how exclusively the Uttama is involved. He doesn't know, though. He's not yet 
in advanced enough to know what's happening when one is engaged in exclusive bhajan. But he can distinguish externally uh, the characteristics you can see in his character um, and the nature of his practice. Uh, he has no other objective. And the Madhyamadakari, he still may have other objectives may come along from time to time and sway him a little bit. And he has to pull his mind back or he has to pull himself back. Or, depending, here again, there's all grades. We're talking about a, a wide swath of, of sadhana bhakti that Madhyama Adhikari is engaged in from the beginning when he finally makes the commitment and, and, and dedicates himself through initiation uh, all the way up to becoming, to becoming fully aware of his spiritual uh, prospect, a sakti. That awareness comes and then one enters into bhava. Who could imagine? But he can see that in the uttama, that he is engaged in this level of bhajan and uh, firmly fixed. And if he uh, if he's kind enough to to maintain that internally but externally give us his association we're we're very much appreciative of that in every way so wide gamut from the beginning to the Uttama Adhikari and for the Madhyama Adhikari that fine discrimination is there as to how to associate um, with those devotees And it's interesting to note that when we look at the verse and all the commentaries here, Bhaktivinodes, Bhakti Siddhantas, and even uh, Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Dev Goswami, in commenting on this verse, they all bring out in relationship to the Uttama Adhikari the fact that the way he's approached it's according to Krishna's directive in Bhagavad Gita as to the acceptance of the spiritual master. Tadvidi pranipate na pariprasne na sevaya upadakshanti te jnanam janinas tatvadarsina. That personality is the bona fide spiritual master. That is where you seek that guidance from that Uttama Adhikari. And in uh, the commentary on this verse by His Divine Grace uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Srila Prabhupada he mentions the same thing he mentions it in a little different way he says well because he sees of course in the preaching mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu there may be time when when those that aren't fully Uttama are so enthused as mudjams that they may accept disciples. And even kanistas may be illusioned to think they can be gurus. It happens. So Prabhupada says in his commentary on this verse, he says, uh, one can accept them as a guru, but they're not going to advance very well under their 
insufficient guidance. Doesn't mean there won't be any guidance, there'll be some guidance, but it won't be enough guidance. It will be insufficient. It may be sufficient for for a period of time. And if it's a Madhyamadakari and he's advancing in his service and he's more advanced, he may advance in a way that his initiate, his disciple, advances behind him and, and it's, 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 it's a working arrangement. But, as I said, when we look at this verse and we look at what is the characteristic of the Uttama Adhikari and how do we relate to the Uttama Adhikari, the commentaries all mention this is who you accept initiation from. So it's a it's a high bar as far as who should accept disciples, and uh, we'll leave that there for this evening. But care should be taken on both sides, both for the aspiring and also those that are considering accepting disciples. They should be uh, uh, aware of what what the acharyas in our line consider an acceptable position from which one can accept disciples. And it is the Uttama position. And the Uttama's position is as outlined in this verse by Rupa Goswami. It's real high. He's fully engaged, cent per cent, in bhajan. He's fully immersed in that level of devotional uh, dedication, full time, full time, nothing else. That said, sometimes there's a war, and uh, my spiritual master, uh, Srila Prabhupada, he he was interested in in a very broad based campaign for spreading Krishna consciousness. Some statements are attributed to him. Uh, work now, Samadhi later, things like that. But we need to always see those in perspective. And we always need to see such a broad-based preaching campaign as introducing Krishna consciousness to the Western world can be conducted by a very empowered personality and to see those instructions and never take them out of context. Who was Prabhupada speaking to? People that were in the front lines, young in life, young in devotional life. So, work now, samadhi later. It doesn't mean there's no samadhi. (laughs) It doesn't mean never samadhi. It means samadhi when you have you're no longer green. In the beginning, you still have some growing to do. So until you grow into your full greenness and you can start to see some manifestations of a ripening, uh, work now is good. But it doesn't mean that that is a permanent fixture. At a certain point, we are meant to become very acquainted with all sambandha gyan and we're meant to we're meant to take the helm 
I'm sorry, that is the fact. For all, for all that's given to the disciple, all that he receives, he beca- he, it becomes his burden to fully grow into the ripeness that's necessary to spread Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan movement. And if he, for whatever reason, even in his, until that full ripening is realized by him, then he's in a sangha of devotees. When he sees somebody that is significantly well situated and is that Uttama Adhikari, then he, he helps that personality. That's, that's the proper method. The devotee that recognizes he's not fully ripe yet. He knows he's not an Uttama Adhikari. He knows that he's not engaged in exclusive meditation internally on Krishna's eightfold daily pastimes. He should be able to recognize that. He'll know if he's doing it. <laughs> if he sees that he's not doing it, then he should recognize I'm not fully ripe unless it's an emergency situation where there is no other personality to reach out and to assist people if that is not the situation but there is somebody that is fully ripe who's an Uttama then he should assist him gracefully that, that's the proper mentality I'm speaking of different calibers of devotees and now we come to the next verse verse 6 it is forbidden to view the transcendental Vaishnavas with material vision. Read the English translation. Devotees situated in this material world should not be viewed with material vision. In other words, one should not consider them to be ordinary conditioned souls. The imperfections visible in their natures, such as birth in a low class, caste, harshness, lethargy, and so forth, and the imperfectional affections visible in their bodies, such as ugly features, disease, deformities, and so on, are precisely like the appearance of bubbles, foam, and mud in the Ganges. Despite such apparent pollution in the water of the Ganges, she retains her nature of liquefied transcendence. Similarly, the self-realized Vaishnavas always exist on the transcendental plane and one should not attribute material defects to them. Okay. So how to apply this? Well, do I apply this to all three classes that Rupa's just mentioned equally. Now I've been told that, you know, here's some discrimination you need to you need to develop as a Majamarikari the fine discrimination 
to know who is the Kanista, who is the Madhyam, who is the Uttama, and how to relate to them. The Kanista, I'm, I'm accepting him as a family member, and I'm mentally off, uh, honoring him. Uh, the Madhyam Adhikari, who's made a firm commitment and a dedicated his life and his his energies to advancement in spiritual life, no matter where he is in, in the practice of advancing sadhana bhakti from he's, he's come to the he has enough faith to accept the guru the Tao Shraddha the Tao Sadhu he's accepted the Sadhu the Tao Shraddha the Tao Sadhu Sadhu Bhajna Kriya he's engaged in Bhajna Kriya uh, and Nartha Nivriti so he's 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 on these different He's on the path of sadhana bhakti, and he's advancing. Anartha Devriti is coming. Anarthas are dissipating gradually, even to the point that, as Vishwanath pointed out, by the time one has come to the stage of asakti, where his spiritual prospect is, is becoming apparent to him, uh, as he approaches that stage, Parabdha karma has now dissipated. Those, the, the sinful reactions and those tendencies for sinful life are now gone. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to look at the way Vishwanath presents this pers- progressive Advancement and how, you know, operads, they can come all the way to the time that we actually have the darshan of the Supreme Lord. They can affect our devotional practice. But uh, those reactions from the kleshas, from, from sinful activity, and, uh, and our tendencies towards material life, those are dissipated in the life of the sadhika as he comes to a budding of, of an understanding of his spiritual position. So here we're told not to see the devotee materially, to not see even his character flaws, what to speak of his material Flaws, what we see in the material body, or his social flaws, what we see in his uh, his uh, background, his birth. Uh, not everybody is born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Uh, some people are born in the, you know, in the jungle. So that's a that's a wide difference between the silver spoon or of course when we look at Vedic culture, the Brahmin who's born in the Suchi, everything in his life is so good, so well situated, so intelligent, so free of uh uh passion and ignorance, well situated in the mode of goodness from birth very clean 
honest, upstanding. So Rupa Goswami saying here, when we look to the devotees, we do not see materially. Now do we distinguish in looking at the devotees? Well, he's a kanista, so therefore I can see that he still has flaws and I can fault him for it. I can find fault in him. It's okay. He's just a kanista. And here's the Uttama, and I can see his characteristics. I can't find any fault there. Do we discriminate? And truly, it's not in our best interest to make such a discrimination. A mango is a mango is a mango. The, the Krishna, from the time, from the time the devotee says, Krishna, please, you pick me up. Krishna's taken charge. Krishna sees him as not different from himself. It's a hard vision to have if you're not Krishna, but we're trying to develop a culture and Krishna Krishnize our vision. So we have to take on and see through the eyes of Shastra. Shastra's Chakshush. So when we hear Rupa Goswami say, don't, we do not see devotees. If we see these flaws, do not let your mind go in the wrong direction. Do not look upon those flaws. And when you read what Bhakti Rakshak Sridhardev Goswami writes in relationship to this verse, he says, when we see those faults, what to speak of pointing them out, just when we see those faults, we should recognize we are seeing those faults, we are drawing them to us. So those faults we are perceiving in the devotee of Krishna, by seeing them, we are drawing those to us, to our character. So it is not good for us at all to see these faults. Uh, in anyone, I mean, what to speak the what to speak of the consciousness of Uttama Adhikari? He doesn't even distinguish between who's a devotee and who's not a devotee. And we have some some examples there. Um, and again, we come back to when we look at examples, when we look to the ideal conduct of the Vaishnav community, the Sangha of devotees. We look to those perfected devotees who were with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They were perfected devotees in showing us Asadika Deha. So they're acting like devotees, but they're perfected eternal associates of the Lord. The Lord comes, He brings His eternal associates. So, what's the contact? Sri Chaitanya, he led the way. Um, and he pointed out in the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Das Kaviraj, Goswami allowed us entrance into the mentality of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the leper, Vasudev, 
he was he had leprosy, not just regular leprosy. This was like the a very severe case, and I'm not familiar with the disease, but apparently um, living entities had taken up residence in his body. <laughs> and he didn't mind. Uh, he didn't mind that uh, if they fell out, he would say, well, get back home <laughs> so he would he would reinstate them in their homestead on his body uh, without any concern but Shaitanya uh, Mahaprabhu uh, came to his village and uh, and left and he was just devastated I missed Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He came. I knew he was coming. The Lord of my life. All I wanted to do in this life is to have his a vision of him. That was that would have been the perfection. Somehow I missed him. So he was lamenting to such an extent that he drew the affection of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shaitanya Mahaprabhu turned around, turned around and came back to town. <laughs> he turned around and came back and embraced him. Yes, no, you didn't miss me. <laughs> Here I am. And in embracing him, he immediately was cured. He immediately received the most beautiful forms. And also in, in, in Chaitanya Leela, we have uh, Sanatan Goswami coming from, to, from Vrindavan to Puri to, to meet with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And in, during his trip, he took some bad water and immediately he, he, he became in, uh, covered with sores, uh, pustules, uh, very... Uh, well, it's hard to even describe that a devotee uh, would have to suffer like this. What to speak of Sanatan Goswami, pus and blood oozing from his body. But he's not that body. And that's the point here. We have to see this is not what we see. How did Lord Chaitanya? Lord Chaitanya, when he saw him, Sanatan was like, I'm not going to see Lord Chaitanya. I can't. From a distance, maybe. But if every time he's seen me in the past, he's always embraced me. I can't have him touch this body. Um, but Lord Chaitanya, he knew his his his, his thing. And he was thinking, well, if Lord Chaitanya tries to touch, I can I can fall under the wrath cart, and because it's just, I I can't subject my Lord to that. And again, Lord Chaitanya embraced his dev devotee, and the devotee was immediately relieved. And Krishna Das Kaviraj explains there in Chaitanya Charitamrita that uh, the Lord was thinking, "This I am being tested here. So it is Sadika Deya Krishna is showing us when the test comes, pass the test. Don't look upon any devotee with any psychological difficulties, character difficulties, 
social economic difficulties or physical difficulties according to those circumstances. Those circumstances have come and will be gone in a heartbeat. It's one lifetime and they're serving Krishna. How great is that? So I've spoken for some time. Are there any other questions? Thank you very much for your association. Hare Krishna.